What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 93 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru hiker. I am a peak bagger. I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this podcast, you know what I do. What is it? What is it that I do? I chat with other thru hikers, other peak baggers, other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. Justin Outdoors is our guest this week. Justin has an awesome YouTube channel of that exact same name. He just passed 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's catching up to me. Jesus, he's probably going to pass me pretty soon. Um, He's an awesome dude. He lives in the Canadian Rockies. We talk about that a little bit in this episode. We also talk quite a bit about winter hiking because as Justin points out, when you live up there in the, uh, the Great White North, as some folks call it, well, you don't really have that much summer to deal with, so you kind of have to do some winter hiking um, if you want to get out for more than just a couple months like he does. So we talk about that. I, I didn't really have a plan for this episode, as you're going to realize very quickly as I stumble over the very first question I try to ask him in this interview. Uh, so we pretty much just let the conversation go where it does. We talk a little bit about YouTube as well at the beginning of the episode, um, just kind of all over the place. And at the end of the episode, he tells a pretty funny story about uh, some some over-enthusiastic uh, rangers, I'll say. Some over-enthusiastic uh, law enforcement rangers. Uh, anyways, it was a good time. Justin Outdoors is awesome. Justin, when you hear this, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. Folks, let me say just a couple things here before we get into the episode. Number one, I gotta say the generic podcast stuff. You know, if you want to help support the show, which you should, I beg of you, please, if you listen to this podcast on the regular, I would really appreciate your support. One of the ways you can support the show is by just leaving a five-star review on your podcast app. I used to do these things where I read them out loud, all the five-star reviews and stuff. I'm way behind on those. I'm probably not going to ever do that again, but you should still leave a five-star review. It really, really helps the show. And if you want to really, really help support the show, you can actually put some of the mo- put, <laughs> put some of your money where your mouth is and... That's a terrible way to pitch the Patreon, but that's where I was going with it. Join the Trail Tales Patreon. That would be awesome. Patreon.com slash Trail Tales. You'll get some bonus content. You'll get a couple stickers. You'll get access to a monthly video chat with myself and some other hiking nerds on the Patreon. That is if you join the $5 tier. And most importantly, you'll just you'll just be able to help the show. Like I don't think a lot of people realize how important... The, uh, the money that is generated from this is. Um, that's not to say that making money is the point that I do this. That's not the reason I do this, rather. But uh, it is very important in order to continue to do this. So please check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Trailtales. If you can't support, it's all good. Please keep listening. I beg of you. <laughs> please, please, please. And I, I really appreciate everybody that tunes into these episodes uh, week after week. There's a lot of you. There's couple thousand of you which is uh, pretty cool i see those numbers so anyways the last thing i'm gonna say here is a huge thank you to this episode's sponsor cs instant coffee now we talk a lot about winter hiking as i said earlier in the introduction and uh let me tell you i'm not much of a winter hiker but if i was i would definitely want a hot refreshing cup of coffee in the morning to warm up because you know you're freaking cold you get out of your sleeping bag or whatever it is your quilt i don't even know because i don't do the winter thing but you get up in the morning you're cold and obviously a, a fresh hot cup of coffee is what you want now you're probably thinking oh okay i'll wake up i'll have to drink my crappy folgers instant coffee it's it's not even that incentivizing to get up if that's the case and that's where you're wrong because you can drink a cup of CS Instant Coffee instead, and it's gonna be a lot tastier, it's gonna be a lot more refreshing, and it's gonna help you get out of your sleeping bag when it's freezing cold in the morning, like it will be if you're winter hiking. That's a pretty good pitch. I just made that all up on the spot. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. But anyways, CS Instant Coffee is awesome. It's by far the best instant coffee that I've ever had in my entire life. It's way better than all that crap you find in like the hiker boxes, you know, all the Folgers, all the Starbucks, via Nestle, all that garbage. Yeah, because that's that's what it is. It's garbage. CS Instant Coffee is way better. It's well worth the price. CSinstant.coffee is where you can go to check out their website. Um, you can also order it right through the affiliate link that I have in the show notes. Now that is again, an affiliate link, which means I will get a little bit of a kickback. So 
I just talked a few minutes ago about supporting the show. That's another way you can support the show is uh, by supporting the sponsors of the show. And if you buy through that link, you'll be supporting the show a little bit financially as well. And you'll just be buying some bomb ass coffee, folks. You got to do it. You got to do it. CSinstant.coffee. At least go check them out. They're an awesome brand. Uh, very small company. They donate a decent amount of money to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which is pretty cool. So yeah, go check them out one more time. CSinstant.coffee. Huge thanks to them for continuing to support the show, continuing to support me in the mornings when I'm on the trail because let's face it, their coffee is just as good as a regular brewed cup of coffee. Now you might think like, oh, like that's not a very good pitch. They're saying it's just as good. Well, again, folks, this is instant coffee. This isn't regular coffee. So in order to get a cup of coffee that is uh, as good as a normal brewed cup of coffee while you're on the trail. That's that's pretty damn good. That's a that's a good deal. So CS Instant Coffee is awesome. Thank you so much to CS for supporting the show. With that said, let's get into the episode number 93 with Justin Outdoors. Here we go, episode 93 of Trail Tales. Justin Outdoors, what's up, man? Hey, hey Kyle, thanks for thanks for having me. No problem, thanks for finally getting this going here. Um, dude, I don't even know where to start. That's not true at all. I literally have done this the same way for 92 episodes before this. <laughs> I do know where to start. After that, I don't know where we're going to go, but we're going to go somewhere. Um, let's have you start by just introducing yourself, saying who you are, what you're about, what you've hiked, all that good stuff. All right. Um, yeah. So my name is Justin. Grew up uh, camping out on the East Coast, but moved to the Canadian Rockies um, about eight years ago. And that's where I really started getting into into hiking and um, live in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta, and hike a lot of the major Major trails, I guess, for Canada. I'm not sure how popular they are in the rest of the world, but um, the area does get millions of visitors every year, so that's pretty pretty cool and definitely results in some busy busy trails and campgrounds over over the over the summertime. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking. Love the outdoors. Get out doing hiking and canoeing and skiing um, year round, and uh, just every weekend basically getting out there. And I am a weekend warrior. Um, haven't done any big, big through hikes yet. And, uh, probably the max, max day days I've done is seven days on the trail. Nice. Nice. Dude, you, you left out a huge thing there. The whole reason we know each other in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I also run the Justin Outdoors YouTube channel or I'm the, the man behind the channel. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's important. That's important. I mean, of course you're going to have a chance to plug it at the end, but, um, that's how Justin and I know each other. Um, you were gracious enough to invite me on like your little live stream thing. That was a while ago now. Let's see. I was still living at my old place back then. So it must've been, must've been sometime last winter. Was it? I think probably, probably in the spring, right? It's spring. COVID was starting. I think when, so. Uh, yes. Did a few of those. That, that yeah. would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. And we talked about poop, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is a favorite among backpackers. I feel like, I feel like every channel, every podcast, except for this one, I guess, you know, at least yet, um, always does like some sort of poop related thing. I don't think I've done one on, on my channel either, but, uh, you know, we did that. That was, that was a good time. A couple other guys there as well. And, uh, that's kind of how we got to know each other. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know anything about the Canadian Rockies. I don't know anything about the American Rockies either. So I guess I should say, I just don't know anything about the Rockies. I guess a little bit about the CDT, but that's about it. Um, so I'm excited to kind of learn about some of that stuff today. And like, like I said before we start recording, Justin, I don't really even know like where to start here because it's like when I'm talking to someone who's through hiked a trail or like done a specific hiking project, I'll say, I can, you know, kind of dive in there. But you've done a lot of stuff that's not like like I don't even know how to say it. it's not like a project or like a specific trail, you know. So yeah, I don't even know where to start. Maybe we should start with um, some of the comments you had made to me when we were chatting before about the, 
I don't know, maybe the um, increase in like search and rescue this year. Is that is that a trend that you've noticed? Because this is something I actually just talked about briefly in a video I posted. Yeah, I think search and rescue, I think just with everyone, a lot more people getting out into the mountains in the last little bit. Um, I was chatting with some search and rescue guys in Banff National Park, which is the closest kind of major, major park to me. And they're telling me that rescues tripled this summer tripled. compared to usual. Yeah. Tripled. Normally they have, Damn. I think, I think he was saying like a couple rescues during the week and then probably three or four on the weekends. Um, but they're getting like almost 10 rescues a day on the weekends and then two or three rescues a day during the week that they're having to do. It was pretty, Just pretty crazy. Just in the national park? Just in that one national park. And then there's a couple other parks um, around there and they have separate rescue teams as well. So there's, yeah, probably a, over a dozen rescues happening every weekend per per day. Damn, that's crazy. I feel like I've also noticed an increase in, and this is purely, I tried to use this word the last episode and I butchered it, anecdotal. Is that, that's how you say it, right? N- nailed it. <laughs> purely anecdotal, but, and see, I pronounced it right. I think I'm using it right too, but we'll see. Um, I feel like I've seen an increase in the number of like articles just from people getting rescued around here too, like in the Adirondacks and in the Whites, which were both areas again where it's not uncommon to have people get rescued and stuff. But um, yeah, dude, I I think the increase in COVID has, the increase in COVID, I think COVID had, COVID causing the increase in the number of people on the trails has definitely had an impact there, but tripled the number of rescues. And that's crazy. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed it was that many people um, I know you're not a person who does search and rescue. I know you can't like speak for those people, but just in chatting with, with your friend there, um, did you get a sense for what kinds of like, or what the reasons are like that people are, are being rescued? Is there like a, I'm just wondering if there's any like trending behavior in that regard, or if it's just like all over the map, like all sorts of different reasons. Yeah. And, and definitely some trends. I think the good, the good thing that kind of came out of that conversation was that it's not extreme rescues. Those have okay, kind of that's stayed pretty level. Um, just a lot of those twisted ankles, people getting lost, um, just general beginner kind of unpreparedness mm-hmm. kind of rescues. And which kind of makes sense, lines up with the fact that you have probably more people who are less familiar with the mountains. And the Canadian Rockies are pretty unforgiving as far as you can't really go into them unprepared. Um, even the really well marked trails will just kind of will have spots where it gets a little bit more bushwhacky and there's a lot of roots, a lot of rocks, a lot of scree slopes, a lot of opportunity to, to get injured if you don't mm-hmm. have the right, the right gear too. Damn. There's got to be like some more forgiving stuff too though, right? Like I can't imagine all these beginner hikers are just like, or maybe they are just like charging up like the hardest like shit in the Rockies, right? Because when I think of like the Rockies again, because I don't know very much about them, it just seems like so like intense, I guess. And so the thought of an increase in beginner hikers like doing that stuff just scares me even more than it than the thought of beginner hikers doing stuff over here, like in the Northeast, you know. And yeah, I think that's legit. It's, it scares me too. And even even one of the easier hikes um, is called Grassy Lakes, and it's basically like a, a road with wide path that you can walk up. But um, there's there's multiple rescues on there. Even even for myself, I was on there and I was kind of walking up this scree slope area and it was starting to get dark. And I realized I should probably not climb up this big scree slope that I'll have to come down in the dark, in the dark right yeah. now and then potentially injure myself and have to be rescued off the mountain. It's just, I think it's just very easy to just let yourself slip for a second. And then that's when, uh, when the mountains will get you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a pretty common one that I see. And I, I, again, I talked about this in the video I posted the other day, but, uh, it'll be last week by the time this episode comes out. Uh, I feel like one of the ones I see pretty often here, like in the whites and the Adirondacks is people don't have headlamps. And so they go up and the hike takes way longer than they think it will. And they get caught in the dark on the way down and maybe they get like intimidated or maybe they get lost or something like that as a result. And that could have been avoided by just bringing a freaking headlamp. Like, uh, I I never like to just sound like I'm shitting on beginner hikers because like people make these mistakes and like, 
you know, I like I get it. Like you're leaving at like 11 o'clock in the morning or noon or even earlier. Sometimes you're like, I'm not going to need a headlamp. Like I'm not going to be out here all, all day, all night. But uh, bring a headlamp, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir here because most people that listen to this podcast already know that. But even if it's just a yeah. day hike, like Christ, even if you're just out for an hour, like, please bring your damn headlamp. Um, here's a question for, for another, another YouTuber, I guess. Do you, do you get offended by the term YouTuber? I know some people are weird, weird with that word. Uh, not, not really. I, I, I don't know. I know, I know Darwin, Darwin yeah. doesn't like that term. Yeah, but. we talked about that a little bit, <laughs> which like I get cause he does a bunch of other stuff too, but I don't know. I've never, I've never had a problem. In, in fact, I think if it's, I think of it kind of as a term of endearment, honestly, but, um, well, I like, also haven't been doing it as long most... as he has, so <laughs> apparently it's the the job that kids want the yes. most in the world it's I saw, more than astronauts now so i kind of think like cutting edge i i heard about that i i <laughs> i feel like i read that article or something i, I saw that somewhere anyways my uh, my original question there was going to be um what responsibility if any at all do you think that we have as youtubers or just people who i, I don't you know influencers i hate th- everyone says they hate that word so i feel like I shouldn't even say that I hate that word. Just people who <laughs> who have an online audience, people who make content. Like, what responsibility do we have to um, ensure that beginner hikers aren't making some of these mistakes that could be, um, you know, dangerous at at worst, or or even just a very costly financial mistake in terms of needing assistance um, at best? Like, yeah, what what responsibility do you think we have to uh, to stop that stuff from happening? Yeah, and I. It's a, it's a tough one. I think I think the easy answer would say would be that everyone's responsible for themselves, but I, I don't really agree with that. I do think that may, maybe not um, a responsibility that's put on us, but I, I do feel responsibility to be a good example, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the best way to, way to phrase it for, for beginner hikers. So just making sure that it, it's, it's really easy to kind of glamorize some things, especially that that word probably didn't come out right, but. <laughs> that's one of those things where i'm pretty sure it wasn't a real word but i'm pretty sure everybody understood what you meant you know they got it yeah <laughs> I, I think it's easy to to do that for um for certain things especially when you get into more extreme um adventures like and if you're going super ultralight um i think it's easy to kind of hide behind that and not show maybe some of the other things that you did to prepare for that and how like the familiarity that you may have with the situation. Um, so you might have someone just watch a video or a gear list and say, Oh, they just brought this. I can do that and just go out and I'll be a okay. But um, I do, I do think there is everyone that needs to be responsible for for themselves. But I think there is um, I do feel some responsibility for, for being a good example and kind of explaining things fully so that people don't get into sticky situations when they're out there. Yeah, yeah, and I think you do a good job of that because your videos are very, very thorough, um, which I think is awesome. It, it is, it is tough because I tend to be more on the side of like everyone is responsible for themselves, but at the same time, that doesn't make me feel like I shouldn't like try to help people anyway. You know, um, I'd like yeah. to think that I've never done or said anything that's like setting a bad example, but. I mean, maybe I have, honestly. I probably have. If you went back and looked through every single video I've ever made, right? But, At um, some point, everyone, everyone has. I, I don't know. I think the entire community does a pretty good job of of putting putting a good example out there. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody that really um, comes across as being irresponsible in that way. And, I agree. Uh, it's good. I think every, a lot of people who have YouTube channels are, and are, are putting content out there probably – are doing it because they they want to help people and they enjoy that interaction with people and um, being able to get more people into the backcountry and do it in a fun and safe way. So I think the intentions are very good. Not me. I'm just doing it no. to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> the no. chicks. My my buddy M- Maddie Outdoors, who was on the the video with us before I started my channel, I was asking him like, what's what's the best part of uh, starting a YouTube channel? And he said. He said it's the girls. He said the girls just flocked <laughs> oh, yeah. after. And <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, because, you know, we just get so many. That's, like, so funny. I was talking to someone about this once, and I think – I don't remember who it was, but uh, there's another YouTuber, and it was a while ago. And uh, they were like, oh, you know, some people just do this for, like, the like the clout. I'm like, the clout? Like, what? Like, who cares about the clout from, like, a bunch of 45-year-old dads, like, that go hiking <laughs> on the weekends? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I – 
you're 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 absolutely right. Like, um, I th- I think most people have pretty good intentions with this stuff as well. That might not be the case for other genres, like other content creation, like you know niches and stuff. But with this niche, it definitely is. Um, and another thing about about you know trying to help educate folks to not make dumb, potentially dangerous mistakes while they're out there is you have to do it in like a pretty tactful way because if you just like post the generic like leave no trace stuff and again that stuff is like important but i feel like if you just do it the same way that everyone else does it like it might not like resonate as much you know people might just kind of brush it off like oh you know this person's just posting because they feel like they have to because every other youtuber instagram person whatever like posts this stuff too so that's that's one thing that i'm I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately is, uh, I is again, going back to that video, I keep mentioning, um, it was basically just a video where I went through, like, I call them trends, like some trends in the backpacking community that are like, not so good. Um, I think trend is kind of a stretch. A lot of them were just behaviors and stuff, but mm-hmm. I tried to do it in a way that would actually like resonate with people rather than just like lecturing them and like doing what other people do sometimes. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's another challenge as well but uh i don't know i think you do a good job of that i think that's what like your channel your channel's exploded and i think you kind of take people along for the journey and it's more of uh not not the lecturing i think that's you nailed it yeah not lecturing them you're kind of just saying hey let's have a beer and and talk about this topic i appreciate that i appreciate that i just i just fuck around let's be honest but um (laughs) Anyways, dude, enough about me and my stupid ass channel. When when did you start your channel exactly? Um, it would have been a year a year and a bit ago in the spring of 2019. Spring so of 2019, okay. Yeah, year and six months, two two summers now. Gotcha. Yeah. And you, your channel's done pretty damn well too. You're getting close to 10,000, right? Or did did you hit it yet? Uh, yeah, I just broke 11,000. Oh, you just broke 11,000. Christ, last, I didn't do my week. homework. Damn, nice, dude. <laughs> nice, dude. What have you? Um, what kind of videos have you found have resonated the most with, uh, you know, the hikers who watch your stuff? Yeah. A lot of the, the gear lists, people love, love gear lists. <laughs> I think, <laughs> um, there, I, I enjoy making them. I loved, I love talking about gear and that's a lot of what my channel is about is, is talking about different gear, doing gear, gear reviews. And, um, that's, that's, that's really my strength as, as far as like, the information that I can impart to people. I think I do a lot of research, test out a lot of gear. You do great um, reviews, dude. And I'm not just saying that. Um, I don't really watch that many gear reviews, but I have watched a couple of years and it's pretty rare that I can sit through an entire gear review for a product I'm not that interested in and like actually get something out of it. And I've definitely <laughs> done that. Like um, what, what's the one, uh, what, what are those like uh, Amazon tents that are like kind of competing with six moon designs? Land the, the land chain? Yeah, land those chain ones. Tents. Those ones. I've I've watched a couple of those because I was just curious about those tents because they're pretty cheap mm-hmm. and stuff and pretty lightweight. Seemed like a pretty good bang bang for your buck. And uh yeah, I watched a couple of those and they were very, very well made. Appreciate that. Yeah. There it's 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 tough to it's tough to make them engaging. Like a lot I think a lot of people will just go through and say, Well, here's the specs um for the product and I like it. And that kind of sums up what most gear reviews out there I think yeah. are going across but yeah i try i try to bring a bit more into it i always one of the big things i find that i like to that i make sure i do is have good testing of the gear before i yes, make it that's definitely important that's definitely it's, important because i feel like people can kind of see through that too if like if like you haven't actually tested it, it that much and like you don't have anything bad to say about it it's just like come on man like there's got to be something right yeah there's there's always there's always something everything i think as i was listening to a podcast with dan durston he said every piece of backpacking gear is compromised and terrible in some way. So if, <laughs> if you can't identify what that is in a gear review, then you're probably yeah, missing something. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's like any gear items that I have that I don't have like any complaints about at all. I don't know. Maybe my, maybe my stove. I just have one of those like little uh, BRS or BSR or whatever stoves, like the Amazon cheapo ones. Yeah. I freaking love that thing. I can't think of anything bad about again again it's a pretty like simple piece of gear just a little stove but i don't know can you think of any pieces of gear 
can you just basically <laughs> contradict exactly what you just said and and think of <laughs> think of or let me can you think of a piece of gear that has like the lowest amount of downsides or no downsides if you want to contradict yourself but um like anything at all that's just like almost lives up to perfection i think i think i think the, thir- the thing that pops in my mind right away is the thermrest z seat that See, thing... I can think of something wrong with that. The fact that you're carrying a seat in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but I don't, no, I don't know. I just, I just love that thing for being able to get my butt off the ground. It, the big thing is it keeps keeps me warm. It's so cold in the evenings mm-hmm. out here mm-hmm. that it um, is a big thing. And then my tents are all so small that I use it to stand on when I change into, into my camp clothes. Yeah. Oh, that's a good... See, Flossie carries one of those, and I've always been like against the this you know the butt pads or whatever but uh yeah not gonna lie there have been a couple times where i'm like okay this it, it all depends on your campsite right because like a lot of the time i would say most of the time there's somewhere comfortable to sit but every now and then you'll be camping somewhere i'm sure you've experienced this where there's literally like no logs to sit on no no rocks to sit on it's literally just like plop your butt on the ground and just fucking sit there like an idiot or you know at least you have a little bit more cushion with the the ZC, do you do you know how much that thing weighs? Make me sound like an asshole for telling you you shouldn't bring it if it's like really light. <laughs> I I I, I, I want to say it's like seventy eight grams. Okay. Oh, she, oh, Canadians, man. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> like a cup, couple ounces. Not to. I don't want to shit on the. Okay, that's like. Yeah, two point seven five ounces. So yeah, that's not very much. That's not very much. I don't. I'm not trying to just shit on the the grams, everybody. I, <laughs> I in like the one gear list video I did. Um, people were like giving me so much crap, like right from the, right from the start about how I didn't include a metric units. And I was like, like, sorry, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't use them. So it wasn't like, I didn't I've even think it from about both it. Sides. Really? I get people, Americans, when I forget to put in ounces, I get, I get flack. And then when I forget to put in grams, <laughs> I get flack. So I just, now, now half the time I'm just like tempted just not to talk about the weight <laughs> yeah right you're like, sort of you people way. ruined it you don't get the weight now go look it up yourself <laughs> exactly you gotta you gotta click the affiliate link in the video description or yeah yeah so, oh smart dude smart <laughs> it's kind of funny now because now whenever i watch like other people's gear videos or anytime they talk about gear and they talk about the weight i feel like most other people put both units they're yeah both units of measurement in and it makes me think like wow they probably also made the same mistake that i did and also got slack for it in the comment section so i think i'm gonna be different i'm gonna keep just doing imperial just to just to spite <laughs> those people not 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 no, okay not to spite the people who use uh metric units but to spite the people who were bitching at me for not including the uh the metric units just so we're clear there you can use whatever yeah, units yeah. you want people um fair enough is there like another, is there like a third system of measurement? Because uh, I think one time I wanted to make a joke about that in a video and I like tried to find like an obscure, like irrelevant system, but I just couldn't find anything that would have landed. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. You, you could start putting temperatures in Kelvin. That's see, that's the, that's where the idea Celsius. came from. Cause I was like, okay, I know there's like Kelvin for temp- temperature wise and like enough people like have heard of Kelvin to understand the joke, but I couldn't find anything else for like weight. I don't know. Um, I think I, st- I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. The only thing I can think of is maybe like calories as far as the burning potential of the, <laughs> of the product of the, yeah, you'll burn this many calories. I don't yeah. even know. Um, <laughs> let's see. Do you, so you do a lot of gear reviews. Um, you, I'm guessing you probably get a decent amount of emails and stuff from companies like I do too, like asking for in not just like reputable companies, but like ridiculous, like, like Amazon companies basically. Mostly those, yeah. Not not a lot of reputable companies. Like I, I've established some good relationships with a, a few different companies, and they've been awesome as far as having phone calls and and chatting about their gear and providing some information and and sometimes sending over sending over a piece of gear. Um, and I, I like the I like the, the free gear is great, but having the actual relationship with the company, to be able to ask questions and like talk to their engineers, has been probably one of the more rewarding and cool things that's that's come about from from the youtube stuff yeah definitely because i mean you're you're kind of a guinea pig for for a lot of stuff you know um and they or maybe not honestly they probably don't want you to or they probably don't want to send you something that they're not sure about yet but have you had the opportunity to test anything that's like not on the market yet or anything like that or just like provide feedback on something that's being improved you know 
Not not yet. I think I think it's it's an interesting relationship as far as like a lot of these companies have their their like pros or ambassadors that do a lot of the the testing for them and mm-hmm. then from the more from the reviewing standpoint it's they'll send the product out once it's fully tested right so I think it's, right. it's almost kind of like so that justin outdoors isn't just like shitting on this thing <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it's kind of con- like they just have those two silos and they keep them separate they have their kind of marketing division and they have their engineering division and they work, each work with separate separate teams yeah get yeah stuff out there that's pretty cool i i haven't done like that many really any dedicated gear review videos um so i you know you know i've worked with a couple companies obviously but i haven't I haven't done like that many. I've done a lot of gear videos. I just haven't done a lot of like videos on specific gear. Maybe I should just like start going through my gear this winter now that it's too cold and I don't want to hike as much. Um, just like start doing just firing off gear reviews for a bunch of like old shitty gear that I've had for a long or, time. Or get into winter camping. Oh God. Do you do that? Do you do a lot of that? I, I do. I just, I just had my first trip last weekend. It's, oh, it's, it's already winter up there. Eh? <laughs> there's almost a meter of snow in the mountains right now. Oh man, how many feet is that? <laughs> no, <laughs> three, three feet. <laughs> Jeez, um, isn't that a yard? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically like. I yeah, got the conversion chart up. Snow, <laughs> one meter two. Damn, dude, that's that's crazy. I mean, you live like yeah. way the fuck up there, obviously. But um, okay, winter camping. So obviously, like I've done a lot in you know three season, but for some reason, I've just I've done a little bit of winter hiking, but. I haven't really done that much or I've done any winter camping. I think the coldest or the latest in the year I've ever stayed out was probably in like early November. And that was when I first started and didn't know better than to do that. So I I don't like, I won't do that now. Like even like even Flossie and I were talking the other day and we're like, yeah, we're probably not going to do any more overnights for a while now. Um, yeah. So what, what advice do you have for someone who wants to first, get into it like okay gear gear wise let's start there because i think that's one of the reasons why i haven't done it is because i just don't have the gear for it and i just don't have a strong enough desire to do it that i'm gonna go spend a shit ton of money on winter gear so budget gear suggestions for like first getting into winter camping when i already have like a three season setup i know that's a pretty specific question but riff off of that if you will (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah and and i i agree i think i think the gears one of the most intimidating parts of it i think a lot of there's a lot of gear that you could be spending spending money on and there's a lot of especially if you live up here like it gets down to minus minus 30 which i think is the same in celsius and fahrenheit at, at night um mm-hmm. quite quite often so you have to kind of time your trips properly but I've, I've, when I first started getting into winter backpacking, I, I didn't buy any of the really expensive gear. I just extended my three season gear by putting, put basically putting on a second sleeping bag and sleeping on a second air mat. Um, so that stacked the R value and then stacked the warmth from the sleeping bag system. Oh, that's not a bad idea though. Bring yeah, two, that, that two got, pads. Yeah. That got me there. I just, I just put, um, like one of the foam pads underneath that has an R value of like one point something mm. underneath an X light. Um, and that was able to get me down to, uh, to about zero degrees Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. for warmth with, with the second sleeping bag on as well. So if you can have a fire, then that'll keep you warm when you're around camp. And then you just kind of stack, stack your systems and then you'll, you'll be warm otherwise. And, and and like you can get a budget, budget sleeping bag for under a hundred bucks. And same with those foam pads cost like 30 bucks. So I think It'd be for for about a hundred dollars. You could probably ex- get into to mild winter winter camping. Pretty All quickly. right, let's go the complete opposite direction of budget. Then another reason why I don't like winter camping, or not, I shouldn't say I don't like it because I haven't done it, but why I'm hesitant to do it is because I'm just so used to not carrying a lot of weight, and the idea of carrying more weight. Call me a pussy. Call me whatever you want, but I don't like. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so what's like an estimation of the lightest you could go like full on winter um if money like wasn't an like wasn't an obstacle uh, if money wasn't an obstacle uh, like, an estimate i know you don't have to give me an exact weight but you know well well i, I just i just kind of calculated it after okay, my okay. winter my winter trip I put, I put together a bit of a dream a dream list um and you can you could get down to probably 15 pounds that's not that's not too bad that's not too bad no 
and and that's yeah that's that's with kind of top of the line top of the line gear um my my gear is probably middle of the road and i'm and i'm sitting at just under 20 pounds as my base weight um and, and that's with some comfort items like i bring a stool in the winter time and 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 a, a, as you see as well for for keeping my butt warm mm-hmm. um so it's yeah you you can get you can get pretty pretty light but you're probably going to be spending like probably even twice as much as what what I yeah. spent on my on my kid. Yeah, I remember talking to Syntax seventy seven about this a while ago, and it sounds like the whole concept of winter backpacking is different because, um, at least for me, you know, everybody does it a little bit differently, obviously. But um, at least for me, I'm I'm one of those people that likes to just like hike pretty much all day. You know, I don't really stop that much. Uh, I'm not gonna. The only time I'm ever gonna stop early is if the weather's bad. Um, usually if the weather's good, I'm going to hike pretty much mm-hmm. till dinner, cook dinner, chill for a minute and then go to bed. Um, but it sounds like in winter it's, it's hard, it's going to be harder to do that, right? Like there's going to be a point where you're just like sick of being cold and, you know, you just mentioned building a fire and like all that stuff takes a lot, a lot of time, obviously I'm melting snow, I'm assuming yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. It, Can you talk about that? Just like the, the difference in routine, I guess. I, th- I think what, what popped in my mind was I, I heard someone talking about um, how there's there's campers and hikers, yeah. and backpackers. Yeah. And um, I think to, to like winter camping, I think you have to be, you have to like, you have to be a bit of a camper. Um, if you're like a pure hiker, and I know, I know there's a lot of people, especially people who have gone through hiking, they're, they're hikers and um, they, they want to, like you said, hike from sunrise to, to sunset and that's that's more enjoyable than sitting around camp um and i and i think that's winter camping you're not hiking big distances like you're probably capping out at like 10 10 miles a day just with how much harder it is to move and how much daylight you have and then so you're just spending a lot of time at camp and if you don't enjoy that then it's not going to be a ton of fun (laughs) yeah yeah definitely not but i mean i don't know the idea of just like chilling like by a fire in the middle of the woods in the winter does sound pretty cool too. I guess what are some of the uh, um, the things that you like about winter hiking that you can't get during the summer? I I, th- I think it's it's for me a big part of it's the the solitude and like you just don't have the people on the trail. You could be hiking mm-hmm. a trail and going to a campsite that would have fifty people at it in the summertime and there'll be nobody there in the winter time. What and are what are some of your like favorite stomping grounds for the winter then? Let's let's get these campsites crowded again. <laughs> spill all the beans right now <laughs> I, I i even in the wintertime i don't really go to the to the to the busy campsites just because i like to go a little bit more off trail um oh okay and and uh and not not follow any any sort of trail and with wintertime i find it's a lot easier to do that like all the especially up here you get so much snow that all the shrubs are covered so you're just walking in between trees and it's a lot easier to to get around um but it's i, I really like the silence and and it's it's the, the challenge is a little bit fun too and kind of the um the the threat of dying a lot more easily <laughs> is is kind of interesting <laughs> that like you're you're, you're, you're running a fine line in the winter time you're it's like if all of a sudden your water bottle explodes over your sleeping bag or yeah um something like that like you're you're in a very dangerous situation if it's if it's getting super cold out i know you're a very prepared smart hiker but have you ever had any even slightly sketchy encounters during the winter anything like that um like i've i've definitely been right right on the line the first time i tried using a quilt system kind of as low as i could get it uh it got about 10 degrees colder than I thought it was going to. Um, so I had to put on everything that I owned in order to stay, stay warm. And I was, I was pretty remote. Luckily I was with other people too. So I probably would have been okay, but yeah, it was still pretty, pretty sketchy. That um, is sketchy. Yeah. And even just some, some, some of the water course crossings that I've done, Ooh, I did a water course yeah. crossing a few of them um, this past weekend where I was looking at it. And I'm like, well, is it the smartest thing to be walking across this ice covered log by myself <laughs> with no cell phone reception in the middle of the woods? In That's the in the winter. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't do it at least at first by myself. I'll backpack by myself during three season, but not, 
not during the winter <laughs> yeah it was it was it was it was right on the edge of my I, I almost set up camp right like right next to that to that creek and and camped there but um i felt good enough that i would have been able to still get back to my car fast enough to not get hypothermia yeah yeah damn dude so like <laughs> at the end of like a normal backpacking trip it's always like so satisfying to like get back to the car and relax or whatever. But I imagine that must be amplified so much during the winter because not only are you going to be able to finally like take your shoes off and sit down and go eat some food and stuff, but you're going to be able to get warm. Like that must be like, <laughs> have you found that you're like even more like stoked when you finish at the end or am I just like playing this up in my head because I hate the cold? <laughs> No, it's that's that's it. It's like instead of just looking forward to a, a pizza, you're looking forward to like like a hot shower and yeah. like if, if there's a hot tub available, that Ooh, that's just the sweetest a thing. A hot tub available. Ever. I guess if you're staying at like a hotel or something, damn. I I sometimes it, it happens uh when I go back on backcountry skiing trips, um one of my buddies near ski town uh that I go to, he has a hot tub. He lives he lives in the hotel um oh, and nice. has a giant hot tub that he has access to so we'd always go have a go hit the hot tub after after big ski trips do you do like backcountry skiing and backpacking at the same time is that a thing i i haven't done that specifically yet the trips that i have done we we go to huts so we'll ski into a hut and then stay there for for five days by or hut do you mean is it has like heating and stuff or is it just like yeah, a cabin it, it has like a wood a wood stove. Oh, okay. That sounds fucking yeah. sick. I would do that. I would definitely do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, you just this super like some of the spots are just on like the top of mountains, some of these huts and What? You just go and no cell phone reception, no electricity and bring a you're basically camping inside the hut and the hut's just there to kind of keep you sheltered from and the warm. elements. And yeah, that stove, sounds awesome. So. That sounds yeah. sick. I want to do that. Damn. That sounds like Come a good to way to, I know, I want to. Someday the border will open up again, hopefully. Um, that that sounds like That sounds like a good way to, like, transition into winter backpacking because at least you, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but just it seems like it, w- it would be because at least you have, like, the safety net of, like, the wood stove and the warmth at night and the shelter at night. Um, and you can kind of, like, get used to spend, spending the night out somewhere where it's freezing cold but not, like have to be completely reliant on your shelter and your sleeping system and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. That And that's like, I started getting into more winter camping with like going to these shelters and stuff like that. And you, you don't need as much gear. Like these, those huts get so warm that I just bring usually a, a zero degree or a 20 degree, not a zero degree, a, a 30 degree or a 40 degree sleeping bag. Oh, wow. Um, Cause it gets so, so hot and so you don't even really need any additional gear as do long they, as you can. Do they have get in stoves there. too? Could you like cook some actual like good food? Yeah, yeah. They always have a protein, propane, like a dual element, like Coleman grill. That's uh, sick. That's propane sick. Stove. So you bring your propane in, and then um, yeah, like we'll we usually we usually still bring in dehydrated food, just because it's a bit um, bit easier and lighter to to carry in, but. Yeah, we have, you end up having some pretty good, pretty good meals. Oh fuck that! I would freeze like a steak or something, cook it over the fire. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how do so, you? Well, some, sorry, go ahead. Some of these trips, um, like in the bigger, bigger huts, uh, we'll hire like cooks to come with us, and they'll cook cook our meals during the day. That sounds then, sick. <laughs> so we come back from skiing, and then we'll have we'll have a little apres, and then a full on like meal all ready to go it's it's pretty pretty fancy pretty cushy but still kind of in a super remote backcountry area so it's yeah it's an interesting interesting thing that's awesome okay you don't have to give me any specific locations here but um where do i go to like learn more about these like huts or like who runs these like are are there there's got to be multiple organizations right like how how many of these are there like this is this is kind of blowing my mind a little bit not gonna lie so where, where I am and most of Western Canada, it's the Alpine Club of Canada. They they have a whole bunch of huts and um, you just book them. Some of them are lottery systems. So you put your name in the hat and um, you get access to the hut or you, or you don't. And that because they're just so popular and a lot of people want to want to go to them. Uh, okay. um, but then there's a bunch of just random operators um, 
who just run their own huts and you just kind of have to know about them and then you rent them and go go to the hut and that's all, so sick that's so sick i gotta look into this more that's awesome i i wish there is i mean i'm sure there's probably a couple things like that around here but damn that's sick i i think i've seen them a little bit i know i know backcountry skiing is becoming more popular yeah out on the east coast so yeah it's gonna be bigger and bigger i've never done like any backcountry skiing or like cross-country skiing or anything like that i've always wanted to though because like <clears throat> excuse me because like i do some some downhill skiing and i know they're they're different but uh it, it just it does look like pretty it does look pretty fun to kind of combine like skiing and backpacking a little bit that's that's definitely something i i want to get into that that just like doing that for like a day sounds more desirable to me than like going straight up regular like winter backpacking without huts and anything like that but i don't know man what about boots i, I, I agree I, I think i think it's gonna get more popular i think winter backpacking i bet over the next two to three years winter backpacking becomes probably multiple times more popular think than so it is right now yeah i think the gears can become cheaper there's gonna be more information out there about how to do it safely and um that's that's kind of my hope i don't know i think th- this winter i have a lot of big plans for putting out a lot of content about winter backpacking and and doing it safely and um cost effectively so i I'm, I'm kind of optimistic that it's something people will will start to feel a little bit better about it, a little bit more safe and something that they find find enjoyable because i don't in canada at least like up here i i have three months of summer backpacking and then as you know like we it's it was mid-October and we got our first dump of snow. So yeah, um, yeah, we kind of got to embrace the the winter the winter activities. Yeah, that's to... that's definitely true. Like if you think about it, because like yeah, I mean we get a little bit more than three months, but obviously there's other places like even further south in the states where you know you could, I'm assuming, still be three season backpacking through like at least parts of November. I would I would imagine, anyways. Um, and that's definitely not the case up here. Definitely, definitely not the case where you are. So, um, yeah. I guess that makes well, sense. Like, like you do kind of have to embrace it. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say there? Well, you, I, I remember the, the guy you had on a few episodes ago who hiked the great divide trail. Yeah. Um, he was, who started in June. Like he was, he was crossing avalanche train in, in June. In June. And- yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts, man. That's nuts. Yeah. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about boots. Um, so that's another thing. I like trail runners. I hate boots. People know that if they watch my videos. I make fun of boots and stuff. Um, but winter, I imagine, like you gotta have some some sort of boots. So you don't have to give me, or you can if you want. But I'm not asking for like a specific boot recommendation. But just like, what should I look for in terms of like if I'm looking to buy like a pair of winter hiking boots? I th- I think I find the biggest thing comes down to how how hot your feet run. Interesting. I, I think that can play a big factor because one of the big things with winter is you want to avoid sweat as much as possible because yeah. sweat's going to get a lot of moisture into your systems and then freeze and, and get you really cold. So if you – like I have super warm feet, so I can wear three-season boots in mo- for most of the winter and be super comfortable. Um, which, which So if that's the case – for you, then yeah, you can get a three season boot that's waterproof and you'll be a okay. If your feet run a bit colder, then you probably want to be getting into more of an insulated type type boot. Um, otherwise, just yeah, same fit as like a trail runner shoe. Like if you like wider toe boxes, then go with that. And um, I, I think another another interesting thing that I think is doesn't get enough attention is vapor barriers for footwear. What, what's so I don't even winter, know what that is. What's a vapor so, barrier? So when your foot's sweating and then um, producing that moisture, a lot of the time that moisture is going to get into your insulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to either start evaporating and then get into the various levels of insulation in your in your foot or, or even sleeping bag. A vapor barrier prevents that transfer of moisture. So you'd wear like a thin sock right next to your foot and then a vapor barrier, which could even just be like a plastic. I use plastic... Um, bread bags interesting and that just prevents the moisture from getting into your boot and then freezing and cooling your foot off in that way interesting you know the sweat thing that you <clears throat> that you just brought up that's a that's that's a 
That's a good one because, you know, the little bit of winter hiking I have done, I feel like I always get sweaty because I'm a really sweaty person. And so that's tough. Like, I feel like if I didn't want to sweat at all, I would basically, if I was going uphill, I would literally have to probably strip down to my just like base layer pretty much, take my hat off, take my gloves off, you know, assuming it's not freezing, freezing, freezing cold. But if it's, you know, even in the in the 20s Fahrenheit, um, I'd probably have to do that. So is that even like all you zero. can what's that even down to zero i've 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 done i've basically been like in a t-shirt cross-country skiing or backcountry skiing yeah but then you like can't really stop for very long right because then you just get cold again it's like exactly exactly you got- that's another thing i did i i'm just complaining about winter hiking this whole time but like that's another thing <laughs> like i just oh it's just not as much fun i don't know <laughs> You got you got to embrace the suck a little bit more with with winter hiking. Yeah, and it's sure. <laughs> definitely just got to it's just like probably more practice too. Um yeah. And yeah, I feel like, like like anything. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like a lot of my winter hiking has been done when I was like younger and didn't even really know that much about summer hiking, let alone I can't believe my parents let me go out and hike 4000 foot mountains when I like <laughs> was like 15 and didn't know what the hell I was doing, but um That's awesome. But they did because they're because they're awesome, and uh, I feel like yeah. Back then, I just didn't really think about these things as much. Like I, I never thought like, oh, I got to make sure I don't sweat. Like I just sent it. So maybe maybe I maybe I'm writing it off. Maybe I'm maybe it wouldn't be as bad if I go out and do it now that I'm a little bit smarter and probably have some better gear and stuff. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think so. I think I think I don't know. I think it's kind of like summer hiking too. There's this little there's efficiencies and little things that you kind of learn about that make it a more enjoyable experience especially from a personal like everyone's everyone's so different so you got to kind of figure out what your systems are and and what makes what aspects of of the activity you you enjoy yeah so, yeah definitely like, like that's important like even even i imagine for uh for like summer back packing it's like some people can sleep on a one-eighth inch thick <laughs> foam thing on a rock and then other people they need a, a four inch sleeping pad yeah so it, yeah it's kind of figuring out figuring that stuff out it definitely is. It definitely is. Well, I'm going to be looking forward to watching your videos that come out then because I definitely have a lot to learn. Um, I also just like to ski. I feel like that, like downhill ski. And so I feel like if I'm ever going to go out in the winter, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go ski. So I think that might have something to do with it as well. But who knows? Who knows? Um, that's I, where backcountry back, back, back skiing comes into play. Like that's the same. Yeah, exactly. Up. You get the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's, exactly. I grew up skiing at Mont Tremblant out in Quebec and and Killington and Smuggler's Notch and all those places. So. Wait, really? Yeah. Where'd you yeah, grow I grew up? up in, I grew up in Ottawa, out, out east. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Damn. Oh, so you've been up in my neck of the woods quite a bit then. Yeah, in the in the winter times, I've I've skied I've skied most of those those uh eastern eastern northeast u.s ski hills awesome dude that's sick i love smugs yeah. smugs is one of my favorite i've never i've never skied a killington i've hiked it but i've never skied it um but smugs is cool um yeah. grew up in ottawa nice man nice man my uh, my college yeah. is pretty close to there too um okay anyways we're getting towards the end here man why don't we why don't we hear your story so you had a few you had a few stories um but we briefly decided before before we started recording that she, I don't even remember something about I won't spoil it. I, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> it. Um, you have the floor. Story time with Justin Outdoors. Here we go. All right, story time. Um, so I, I guess I don't know if I, I think people on your channel are probably familiar with the Great the Great Divide Trail. They should be right? if they listen to this podcast because again we just had you know Ryan on who hiked it so. Yeah, yeah. So he he hiked the Great Divide Trail. I, I remember hearing, hearing. I, I listened to that podcast and about his multiple encounters with death and hypothermia and <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> A little bit reckless for sure. Yeah. So I, I guess if if people heard that podcast, then they they know the Great Divide Trail is kind of it's it's a t- it's a tougher long trail um, as far as the conditions go, and um, it's a bit hard to plan. But there are a lot of places on the Great Divide Trail where you need to book campsites in advance. And when you're doing that, you're you're basically just throwing a dart at dartboard and thinking, okay, well, I imagine I'll be at this campground on this date. And you hope you can make your your schedule. This this summer I, I probably spent over a dozen days on on di- on the Great Divide Trail at different spots along it. And 
one of the spots I was at is a pretty popular campground um, on the Great Divide Trail and in general. And there's it was full. There's 20 campsites there, and all of them were full. And the warden started coming around and and asking people to see their permits and everything and make sure that everyone was was above board with with their with that. Mm-hmm. Make sure that their bookings in place. And I guess there is somebody who had arrived with a permit but all the campsites were full so the wardens were coming around and the wardens in canada i don't know if it's the same in the states but they're they're heavily armed and they have um training for firearm use and putting putting people down i'm pretty sure Um, the wardens here are usually like full law enforcement officers so yeah yeah. at least i at least they are in maine new hampshire vermont i think yeah i think in in Canada, yeah they're, they're 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 trained for law enforcement that's for a lot of them, some of them are more conservation um, biologist types, but a lot of them are are more in that enforcement arena. Yeah. And these guys are going around. There's there's two of them. And one of them was that more biologist type. He had um, like a tilly hat and didn't wasn't carrying a gun or anything. Um, big beard. The other guy looked like he just came right out of military training. <laughs> he had his gun, like boots shined up, like crew cut. Ready to go. He was ready to go. So they come up and they, they're asking for our permits and and uh, we show them to them. But then they go to the campsite across the way and that guy did not have a permit. And he was he was the squatter, the squatter for the day. And I guess he was hiking the Great Divide Trail and just was was off schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but they told him because he didn't have a permit and there's other people waiting, he'd have to hike back to the parking lot and then kind of go wherever he may <laughs> Get he lost. May go. <laughs> Get lost. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he did, he packed up all the stuff. Like I felt pretty bad for him at this point. It was getting all, it was almost dark at that point. Yeah. Um, but he, he got up and then headed, headed North up the trail. And about 20 minutes later, the wardens come by. Well, the one warden comes by the more militant warden comes by and he's like, do you guys see where that guy, which direction that guy went? And, um, I point, point North and he just kind of like sighs and they said, so he, he went, away from the parking lot and we're like yeah, i guess so so he he at that point he has a big smile on his face oh, pulls geez. out his gun and starts full-on sprinting down the trail after this guy <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> oh man and, and we're like oh man like we're gonna we're we're gonna hear someone get get murdered wait what's here. what was wrong with didn't he want him just to hike on so if he hiked the other way he wouldn't be hitting a campsite for of like he'd basically just have to hike there forever. there wasn't any like place he could like stealth camp or anything no well he could stealth camp but i think the warden was thinking the guy that's what he was thinking the guy was going to stealth camp but which which would be illegal in oh, that oh okay park. so it wasn't allowed in the park gotcha yeah so he was he was he just really wanted to bust this guy but then the biologist partner guy came up and he's like did you do you see um, which way that guy went? We're like, yeah. He's like, is that where my partner went? We're like, yeah. And he just big sigh. <laughs> he he knows he knows his his partner is just off like man hunting somewhere in the woods. Jesus, wow. And yeah, it it was. I've never seen someone get kicked out of a campsite. I've never seen a more excited warden about hunt, hunting somebody through the woods at night. <laughs> Man, that's kind of shitty. He's just like harassing the poor guy. I mean, like I got he's breaking the rules and stuff, but it's like and that's so funny you tell that story because um the first episode I ever did on the Great Divide Trail um with Jake Pickering, one of the things we talked about was how I guess on this trail you need to have like permits for a lot of the campsites and I remember talking about how like much of a pain in the ass that must be. In, in terms of a through hike because it's not like just a couple days where you can plan your your route and stuff like when you're on a through hike you don't know 20 days from now like where you're going to be or whatever right so so i remember talking about that and now you're telling the story about a through hiker who probably got caught up and couldn't you know deal with the permits or whatever something happened and he didn't end up where he was planning on being or whatever which happens on the through hike quite a bit um so that kind of sucks uh you yeah, know it was, it was- is there a conclusion or, or or a conclusion to what happened to the guy or you didn't hear shots ringing out in the distance a few minutes later or anything like that? I hope. No, didn't, didn't hear any gunshots. I was kind of honestly kind of thought like you might fire a warning shot or something, but I think um, the guy probably just hiked through the night. Like the next, there was a, a random camping spot 
um, about 20 miles away. Um, so maybe, maybe he just hiked, hiked that one, I think. And that's the thing with the Great Divide Trail. I'm, I actually have, have planned to do the Great Divide Trail for next year. And um, with, with the planning, you, you can hit random camping spots. And I think with the route I have planned, I'll only have two book two spots oh, okay over the course of the trail that sounds um, a lot easier than the way jake made it sound <laughs> yeah well it depends I think like, it, was a, it was a while it, ago that we talked but i think that's what i remember do in 40 days a lot of people do it in about 60 days okay so if you do it a bit faster and it it, it makes it a lot a lot a lot easier for the booking so definitely all right man well i think we're gonna wrap it up there thank you for doing this dude why don't you go ahead and plug your uh your channel and any Anything else you want to plug, social media, all that stuff? Yeah, basically anything Justin Outdoors. Um, if you search Justin Outdoors on YouTube, Instagram, um, not on not on TikTok yet, but maybe maybe someday. Tinder? You can check me out there. Tinder, Justin Outdoors <laughs> on Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, all Everything. those all those dating apps. Maddie lied to me. YouTube does not get you the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So you've had to resort to this. Um, that's so funny. Everybody, everybody go check him out. Um, I'll have a link to his channel in the show notes as usual. And yeah, Justin, thank you, man. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Check again soon. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.